Logo Geeks is Ian Paget here and I'm back with another podcast that's created to help you make a living designing logos. Today's episode is sponsored by The Perfect Match, a game where designers submit mood boards created using Adobe stock assets. And if your amazing mood board design is chosen, you will be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show with other talented designers, art directors, and creatives, where the winner goes home with $1,000. It's totally free to participate in The Perfect Match and by simply submitting an entry, Adobe will buy you a coffee for your time. So to learn more about that and to enter, visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash logo geek. That's theperfectmatch.co forward slash logo geek. So on this week's show, I'm joined by a couple of the guys from the design agency SNASK, Freddie Ost and Eric Cockham. Hopefully I pronounced your surname correctly, guys. I'm really sorry if I haven't. Um, but anyway, Something that I've always liked to recommend young designers is that when you start out in your career, rather than going freelance or, you know, trying to start your own design agency, I've always recommended that you go and work for an agency and start to see how people do things, start to see, um, you know, start to learn processes, uh, start to see how people um, interact with clients, uh, how they take calls, sales processes. There's so much that you can learn by working in an agency. And also, I like to read a lot. I I, I know a lot of graphic designers do uh, read as, as well. So in books, you can learn about processes and systems. So tried and tested methods that, you know, seem to be the way things are done the uh, way things work and so on. And I do still partly agree that, but I do admit that the guys from SNASK have really challenged this uh, way of thinking um, because since the very beginning of their agency, uh, which they actually started straight out of university, they set out to challenge the standard industry way of doing things and you know, just aim to do things different to everybody else, um, to do it the SNASK way. Uh, this is one of my favorite discussions in a while. Uh, I love the honesty from these guys, and I hope you'll start thinking about the way that you do things yourself after listening to this conversation. So let's just get straight into this. Here is the interview with Freddie and Eric from the design agency SNASK. Something I'm keen to do with this is create a little bit of a, a journey story for the listeners. So I, I think probably the best starting point is, uh, first of all, to mention SNASK, which is your agency. So I think we should talk a little bit about the origin story. So um, I don't know how it all started. So can you guys share a little bit about how SNASK started out? Well, I mean, me and two 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 other co-founders were studying in Carlisle, north of, of England, for three years. Uh, and in second year uh, at university, we basically 
we did our internships in New York and London and we decided to, well, we all wanted to start our own agency instead of yeah. getting employed. <laughs> and um, people asked us like, well, you need at least 10 years of experience to start your own agency. Uh, and then we thought, well, whose experience is it we're getting? And we thought of probably old men's experience <laughs> uh, where loads of it comes from. And then we felt like, well, then we might as well just do all the mistakes ourselves and 10 years along the line, we will have found our own way and our own solutions to, to yeah. problems and, and ways. And I mean, that's basically how it started out. And that's where, where we are still almost 15 years later. We still do make mistakes and we try and learn from them. I think that's really interesting. And I think we should dive into some of that because um, I I know starting an agency straight out of university, you have no experience you haven't been in an agency before you, you're not familiar with how things work unless you've obviously spoken to um some people so you will inevitably inevitably make some um mistakes along the way uh, mm. is there any that come to mind that you could share so that if there's someone listening now that wants to do the same as you did they could potentially avoid making those same mistakes <laughs> i mean it's hard. I mean, we we started with us like best friends, uh, so that could be one mistake to, to <laughs> choose your business partner uh, wisely, uh, because it will affect basically everything in your business if, yeah. if you can't work together. And just because you're best friends doesn't mean that you are uh, optimal uh, as a working team. Uh, so I mean, that's one thing I think is really important because you don't want to lose friendship because of business or the other way. Yeah. Either. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's definitely one. And and I think like the whole like freedom aspect of like when you're starting something, you feel uh, like you don't want to put your any restraints on what you do. You don't want like no rules. No, you know, no, nothing. It's just going to be like, we can do whatever we want, however we want it. And I think that was something that we kind of realized early on that that, that doesn't work uh, because, because it's like you need some, um, I would say, like structure and, and uh, um, agreements on things make you feel more free, you know, because then you understand the framework that you're in. So. I think we were just like, I remember that like the first years when we were like just on vacation and stuff, we were like, oh, whenever we have time, we just like take time off and, you know, we can do it a little bit how we feel. <laughs> and it sounded so great. Like we could just be off when we felt like it sort of, or when we could. But then in the end, of course, that had like a complete opposite effect that no one knew when we could take time off we were always like trying to like plan vacations together we were like you know no one really knew what was the uh, deal you know so it, it just became like this kind of like looking at each other is it okay if i'm off on friday because i need to go away and do this you know like or will someone be mad you know no but like so i think those type of of things too it's like it's it's important to find that balance but like freddie said before it's it's a lot about um you know trying it out too i i almost don't want to tell say too many things like don't do this or do this because our way was to find out ourselves and i think that's yeah. the best way yeah. yeah i think that's something that really shows through everything that you guys are doing because 
Um, I was watching a couple of videos over the last few days to, as as research for this interview, and there is stuff that you guys do that I don't know if any other agency does. <laughs> like, um, like as an example, you you have a band. <laughs> I, I was really surprised with that. You have your own beer. You you have literally this painting with like all of your staff in um there's some really stuff that seems quite um it's not something that you would expect to be attached to an agency any in in any way and it seems very um inventive and like it's part of your identity um so i was wondering if you could talk about some of those things as well like how did like how how the how did you end up with a band? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that in general we maybe because we didn't get an experience from the agency world, <laughs> we kind of just uh, invented what we thought a company should be like. And to us, uh, we invented it so that it would enrich our lives. And yeah. instead of going to a job, we would go to a hobby. And in this place, which was called the company, we could do whatever we wanted. Uh, so if we wanted to create a record label, we could just do that. And so, I mean, the story of the band, it's, it's, it's Eric's, it was Eric's band from the beginning. And then the singer sold it to me at an after party at 4.30 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> uh, after I bashed, uh, I told him, like, you're a trombonist, suck, uh, and your name is shitty, and you play very strange music, why don't you play rock and roll like you want to? And then he said, well, you can change all these things if you buy it from me. I'm not sure <laughs> he didn't have any rights to sell his own band without asking Eric or anyone else before. But I didn't want, I couldn't buy it. But then we agreed anyway. And then we said, let's start a record label and, and sign you guys if the same rules apply. So I, Eric, you you know the rest, right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, and I, I and that was a fun journey. I think it's like, uh something like that also comes from like what we realized quite early on like like for saying like we we mixed uh our work a lot with our social lives and what our what we like to do like uh, uh maybe other people would be like oh but that has nothing to do with your agency or that like like that's something that you uh, you should keep separate but we in, instead like brought it into the to the agency tried to like the things that we like to do we wanted to like uh, yeah enrich uh, through the to uh, through the agency and like music is one of those things like we were having a club with um, snask too like a, at the biggest like music venue in in stockholm and 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 then we could instead like create budgets and do things more like almost like the way we had dreamt about when when we were running clubs you know on our own mm -hmm. before snask we were like you know you never had any budget you couldn't do you're just like putting all your time and effort into trying to create something and suddenly we could like you know uh give ourselves uh, some more uh, muscles to do like really fun stuff and and that made us more happy uh and like the music industry is like one of those things that where you like if you compare it to like the commercial world of like um of making uh branding or or, or films or something it's like you can take a small budget post for something and like lift it over to like the music industry and you get the whole album 
made and produced you know <laughs> you know so it's like you could like it's kind of funny sometimes when you compare worlds like that what where, where where like um yeah budgets and stuff can get you as well and and that was something too that we were like hmm we if we see this as the same we can actually start like doing a lot of things and and uh, yeah the the band will say uh definitely a fun thing and i i just want to add to that maybe that like none of these were like all this stuff has never been like in a business idea it's never been like a marketing idea where we were like oh if we do this we might get attention or something mm-hmm. it's always been like more like an interest that we're just trying to push or like yeah you know have fun it's basically our our passion projects because client work is fun but it's way easier and more fun to be your own client sometimes and create your own projects. So we have lots of those projects where we do our own things. Like we have all our bathrooms are, are very strange. One, one bathroom has like eight toilet rolls. It sings in different tones when you pull them. Uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty intimidating to go to the bathroom in that one. And the other one is the world's smallest Will Ferrell museum in the world. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, I guess all of these projects that we do, even if it's a beer, a bathroom or, or a rock band, it's, it's comes from passion. Like Eric says, it's like us wanting to do something. Yeah. And it's also fantastic to have yourself as a client (laughs) in that way that we're like, oh, we're going to create posters for this club night. Like, hmm, a poster budget. That's often very small, but what if we do it? for like 5,000 pounds or something, you know? <laughs> and, 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 and the client is like us being like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. You should do <laughs> gold foil, the biggest gold foil that anyone has ever seen. And you just put it on a big post. Yeah, what a great idea. Here's the finance. You know, like um, that's, a, um, that's a fun fun thing to, to be in as well, to yeah. like give you, yeah. Yeah, you know, I I I love it really because when you think about branding, and especially for an agency, all of this stuff that you're doing, even though it's not planned, you're probably attracting a lot of the best talent that's out there because you look like a fun agency. Like like you don't look like a business. It looks like when you go and work for you guys, it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be somewhere where you want to be with people that you want to spend time with doing work that you actually want to do rather than uh, companies like I've worked before where it's in a stale office. Uh, you are told to sit down between certain times, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, it, it, I, I think even though it wasn't intentional, it's definitely worked in your favor. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, yeah, like Eric said, we never did anything with that purpose in mind. But as you say, of course, I mean, most companies believe that if we create a really boring office uh, and uh, tell people to sit down and work really hard, they will uh, achieve great results, which is kind of stupid. And it's yeah. probably the opposite. <laughs> yeah. If you give people freedom and you create a very fun environment that is also inspiring, God forbid, uh, and people will, will thrive. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I mean, it sounds like we're genius when we crack this code, but I mean, Harry Potter could have cracked it. It's, it's very yeah. easy to realize. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny, right, that everyone, like, when you start a company or a business, like, it's like you believe that you have to act in a certain way. It's like, like you Im- immediately, like, step into this, like, 
old structures of how it's supposed to be done. And and it's like, I mean, that that's something that we found very like uh, quickly that we found out that everyone was trying to tell us to like act accordingly. But yeah. as soon as we just like broke a li- some of those rules, like whatever it was, like, oh, we don't need um, our office to look in this certain way or we can have a bar in our office because it's fun and we, we it's a social thing where everyone wants to hang out and, and you know, um, whatever it was, that was like things that really stood out for other people. Like they were like, wow, how do you dare to do that? But you're an agency, you know, like, and it, it, it's so, uh, I mean, it was almost like we didn't, like we'd never thought about that that would be uh, almost like a rebellious thing to do. But it was more like when people reacted to it, we were like, what, this is actually like a thing. And then and then when we sort of noticed that, then maybe we wanted to do it even more because it's fun to, to you yeah. know, to make people a bit upset sometimes. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just really like the, uh, like what you said about, um bringing in your own personal interest into it because um like with with my stuff focus mainly on logo design all i show is logo design blah 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 but actually mixing your own interest into what you do and um i I mean kind of as an agency you guys it, it seems more like a personal brand rather than an actual agency like you're really injecting things that you all seem to like not just graphic design it's it's a bit of everything in there and uh um it shines through like all your personalities really shine through it it's not about the work it's about the team and the team make this amazing work um and there's the the interest and and everyone's getting supported to be creative to create even better work so um yeah like i said even though it wasn't intentional it's probably working really well for you guys (laughs) yeah i mean Thank you for saying that's super nice. I mean, I yeah, think that super. we we always wanted to to empower everyone to be the best the best people yeah. and the best creatives as they can be. We think strongly think that this is the the best way of doing it. And and like Eric said, it feels like everyone else is playing roles and playing grown ups. And I think that's <laughs> kind of what we do differently. That we we basically know that we are still very playful and and childish and naive yeah. uh, and and we kind of use that to our advantage uh, and instead i mean we thought for five years our first five years that everyone knows so much and we know nothing soon someone is going to call our bluff uh, and then understand that we are just imposters um and then after five years we realized hmm, everyone plays grown-up in meetings and playing grown-up is probably the most childish thing you can do and then we started to realize we actually do know some things and we're pretty good at it. And why do people sit and play grown-ups and try to like <laughs> sound so secure about everything? So then yeah. we just decided to talk differently to clients, be just very honest uh, and really say what we think, but but also tell them when we're not sure about yeah. something, etc. And that comes across so good. Our, our clients, everyone is just like, it's so different working with you guys because there's no bullshit or they, we don't make words up or use strange lingo or etc. We just tell them what we believe. I'm I'm laughing this end because I've I've worked in companies where 
there have been buzzwords which we've been told to use in meetings. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm. I, I think it's really nice to hear actually because there there is this kind of expectation that you need to wear certain things uh, to be perceived a certain way and. Um, I do think there is some truth to that in some industries and, and different people will, will react to different things. But I really like the fact that you are very truthful, very real. Uh, you're just yourself. It is what it is. And I, I, I think that more and more people should be like that because let's face it, like, um, nobody knows everything. Nobody is like the ultimate expert. They can they can be good at what they do and and they can know a lot about a topic, but there's going to be situations when they don't know something and and when they don't know how to do things and we're all human, you know. Mm. Um, so I yeah. I really like that you know you guys really uh, push that and encourage that and it's weird that it seems to be different, but um, it's uh you know nice that you've been able to do that and uh you know being able to speak about it now on platforms like this hopefully it will encourage more and more people to just be themselves <laughs> yeah yeah and it's so much i agree so much and it's like i think that it's the most natural thing to people and people actually we are brought up like treating humans and people like people not as target yeah. groups or clients or etc yeah. and i think that 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 thing like the vulnerability to have in a meeting or like and any, any relationship even if it's a client relationship you, you have to communicate and yeah. there will be conflicts uh, but it's the way you you handle the conflicts that that makes it a good or bad relationship and i think that being able to to i mean we, we recently emailed one of our biggest clients at the moment that we're rebranding we wrote them we cry when it hurts we are stubborn because we care and mm -hmm. we curse because we're stupid. Uh, and it was kind of a reply to, well, because they got anxious that we started to hate them because we had some conflicts and disagreements, but we were like, no, of course not. And this is, yeah, this is just a relationship between humans and this is how we deal with them. And it's, we are all doing it for the greater purpose of creating something amazing together. So I just think that it's like, yeah, as you said, Ian, it, it's the most natural thing uh, to people. Uh, but somehow someone, probably an old man, decided that in the world of business, we have to not be humans. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, when you consider things like the process that you should follow when you're working on a project, um, a, a lot of us, me included, I learned that from books. <laughs> so, yeah. so you read a book and it tells you how it should be done and and you kind of follow that process and, and that runs through and people share that, people talk about that. Other people assume that's the way it should be done um, and then it gets accepted. But actually, in reality, there is no one way of doing things. It's just how we culturally agreed that this is the way it should be, you know, like, like things we wear, the things we do, how we act, um, you know, how we live our lives in general, it's all just culturally accepted things. So there's no one set model for doing anything really. <laughs> um, mm. I, I just like wow. that you've, you know, you know, when, when, so when you guys started out, you, 
um, you, you mentioned that you you made mistakes, so you all wanted to be free and go on holiday when you wanted, but actually you realized, oh, there needs to be some system in place for that. And and you created a process when you needed a process to be, and you've just, it feels like you've done things when you feel it's needed to, to be implemented um, purely because of the situation rather than uh, referencing like a pre-existing model that someone else has uh, created like 60 years ago. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, but I think that's very true. It's like, but that is that type of evolution or like learning process that we've yeah. been trying to give ourselves that we um, that we're basically trying to do it our way. And then when when after a while you understand that some things needs to be, uh, you know, maybe decided on or structurized or like be, be more like explained uh, mm -hmm. able to um, keep on doing it in the same quality or you know like it's just like things but then it's like in our way of doing it and I, I think like a lot of processes and things that people uh, create and, and, and follow in the end sort of it's just the same in the end, when it like practically is being used, it's it's sort of very similar, uh, even though uh, they want people present it as being this like super unique, different type of way they 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 handle things. Uh, but in the end, it's like you say, it's like a human interaction, and we kind of like culturally um, know how to to do that together. And and um, so that's something I think we. When we were like many years ago, when we were trying, a lot of people asked us, like, but what's your process? Like, you need to explain that. And so, and we were like, we were then a bit like, oh my God, do we need to read more books uh, <laughs> to find out, like, <laughs> so we can explain this better? But then, then um, we sort of more decided to know it's the SNESC way process, you know, and we like sort of just try to, um, yeah, try to uh, go our own way and like explain that we we didn't believe in this like old uh, sort of marketing, uh, you know, people that like wrote something like a hundred years ago and that we should follow it now and so on and, and that we are more, um, you know, trying to find a more uh, natural way of, of, of doing it um, yeah. today. Yeah, and more more human. I think that, like you say, Eric, the Snask way was like completely different. We were like, we invited uh, women, like a professor of, of art, for example, to our studio, and we had champagne in the evening with her and asked her about all everything that she knew. And then people told us, "Oh, you're unprofessional. You shouldn't drink champagne in the evening with people, with clients, etc." And we were like, "But unprofessional. I mean, business." have been made by old men snorting cocaine and drinking <laughs> whiskey in Chesterfield sofas in the evenings through all times. So just that we change the drink to champagne and also invite women to it would make us unprofessional. It's just so, so strange for someone yeah. to say that. I interrupt this interview for a short message from the sponsor of this episode, The Perfect Match, a game where designers submit mood boards created with Adobe stock assets and earn your chance to play on a game show to win big. As designers, we pitch good vibes and great ideas through visuals, 
all day, every day. But how well does our design communicate? Do clients and higher-ups really understand the work we put in front of them? Well, let's find out. Test your skills by assembling a brand-inspired mood board with Adobe stock images to the perfect match. And if your skill for project is chosen, you will be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show with other groovy designers, art directors, and creatives where the winner goes home with $750. It's free to participate in the perfect match. And if you submit an entry, Adobe will buy you a coffee for your time. To take part and to learn more, visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash logogeek. So let's get back to the interview. You guys started to talk about the uh, SNASK way, the uh, process that you follow. And that's that's a topic that I would love to go into uh, because every graphic designer I've spoken to, they seem to work in a slightly different way. There's always some similarities. Uh, but would you guys mind talking through and bearing in mind, this is a logo design podcast. Um, uh, you know, we can go into branding as well. But say if you had a branding project or a logo design project, what is the SNASK way? What 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 is your process in order to um, create a, a logo or a brand identity? Yeah, I mean, so how we started out, we were basically three graphic designers doing logo design, for example, from the beginning, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> we did a lot of work. And then we uh, a fellow person from the industry came by, and he was like, "You guys do branding strategy, but you don't invoice for it. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen." <laughs> and we were like, "What?" And it's because we always wanted a reason why behind why we did things. We did a lot of research strategy uh, that we never sent to the client, uh, and then we it ended up being a logo or a, a graphic identity. Yeah. So we always have that, and. Today, we see that as, as comparing it to a person. Basically, if this person comes into a room that you're in that you never met, uh, who this person is, the personality, the values, the passion, the drive, the engagement, that's basically the brand platform. Uh, and we kind of need to find that out, personality, anyway. Uh, and then what does this person say and how does this person say it? It's the, it's the brand voice. Uh, and we also need to find those out and those goes hand in hand, of course. Uh, and then we can choose the outfit for this person because we now know who this person is and how he or she speaks. Um, and that is the graphic identity. The brand identity is basically the visual appearance that is based on who the person is and what's the, the voices of this person and what he or she says. Uh, and I think that basically sums up our process in, in three steps uh, when it comes to brand identity. So that's like uh, yeah. personality, voice, and appearance. And I, I think on a on like in, say maybe more almost like uh, emotional aspect of how we work. And within that, it's like a very important thing is to um, yeah, give yourself freedom to again make mistakes like we've been talking a bit about before like if you do more like creative work you also need that like you that's why you need more time maybe sometimes and that's why you need to like um you know try to give yourself that like sort of space and freedom in your thinking to 
be able to go outside of the classic box or you know to do something differently that then that can become very wrong and then maybe like oh but we tried it out it, that that wasn't the right way of doing it we need to you know uh, reassess try something else or or whatever but like there's so much you know like sure you could do something if you have like you can use your experience and you can sort of do the same work over and over again you will be very safe in doing that you can deliver it like at a high good level but if you if you want to create something new or something uh, more original then maybe that you know that's going to be harder then you need to like reinvent yourself a little bit sometimes you need to go into like um you know strange waters try things out and it's not always that it's going to end like perfect so I mean, that space is something that I think is very important. And that feeling of like freedom to be able to do that, it's something that we strive to like to create. Uh, it's not always easy, but it's like that's definitely the, the, the like a part of the, the overall like part of the sort of process, I would say. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah, exactly. And also, I think something worth pointing out is how we, bridge between strategy and visual visual design work because they go go hand in hand but you need to bridge it somehow and for example if you have brand values uh, it's not as easy as to just take the brand values and then translate them into visual form instantly like if you have caring as one of the brand values it's very hard to make that visual so what we do is we we translate the brand values into visual keywords and then those keywords is what would sum up the whole basically identity but that doesn't mean that all values have to be in a logo because that's impossible you can't have like caring for example in in a logo uh, or you can't have like uh, if you take eclectic can't be in every it can't be in colors as well as typography as well as logo type or expressive or bold etc so maybe you have sophisticated in logotype and typography but you have eclectic and and expressive in colors for example that's where you can get those and as a whole when when the person is looking at the identity it will most of these values will come out but you can't like i think it's important to do that bridge where you're like okay we can get these these keywords or values from from these parts of an identity the other part of the identity should push these ones and together they will give this whole image because i think when i was a student i had a hard time getting all these words into a logo and it quickly ended up with me talking bullshit trying to get (laughs) things in there uh but but i think that now there is a reasoning behind this there is a way that you can do it and it's basically also to like not putting too much bullshit in you kind of know it when you start doing it but it's like a, a logotype should be memorable and easy to recognize. And that's basically it. Uh, it shouldn't contain 100 different values. Um, it's the same thing because you put those into a visual container, which is a logo. You put then your values and experiences of a brand into a logotype or a symbol. But the symbol or logotype itself will never give that automatically. And I think that's easy, very important to remember as a logo designer to like, no, just because the client says that they want caring in their logo doesn't mean that that's what you have to do because it, it's basically impossible. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I like the um, thing that I, I think Michael Bayrou might have said it or, um, you know, one of the famous graphic designers at some point, they, they, they said that a logo design is an empty vessel. So mm. when when you first create it, it has no meaning. It, it has no attachment to anything. It's just um, a shape and it's through that ongoing use with everything else, um, you know, with the marketing messages, music branding you know branding in general that all uh pours into the logo and then um you know when people see it they begin to associate it with that symbol so an, an easy exactly. one to think that with is nike nike is just a tick it's just a, a you know a swoosh um at, if you wasn't familiar with nike as a company you you would think it's it's nothing and i i i'm aware that the um, owner of the company didn't even like the logo at the beginning, thought it would do. Mm. Uh, but now when you see it, you associate it with fitness, with, you know, just doing it and, and all these other things. And that's not the symbol doing that. That's just all of the um, connections with it. And you can think of, you know, like like uh, symbols like, like the Christianity cross, when you see that you get all of those attachments with it, but that, you know, like a cross just, two lines overlapping it, it's meaningless on its own and uh um yeah, yeah so things like caring you can't put it in the logo <laughs> um no. that will come through use yeah exactly. it's, about the brand. it's the same with names naming same thing like apple <laughs> or, or acne yeah apple or the, you know <laughs> like we don't think about that anymore like what it what it actually means the word like it, it's yeah um yeah, no, that's that's branding. <laughs> that's branding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and it's the same with when it comes to color. People tend to like to, especially young designers and myself included, when I was younger, to put meaning into colors, uh, and you you quickly wind up uh, because you open the door to bullshit. So you end up in a <laughs> labyrinth where where your arguments will be used by the client, and suddenly they come back and like, yeah, I asked my husband or wife last night, and he or she thinks this looks like marijuana because of the green <laughs> color it's like but yeah. the green green can mean grass yes in many ways it can also mean ecological it can also mean like green for go it can yeah. i mean it's so many different things and it just depends on where and what situation you see it and what's your subjective thought about yeah. that color same way it's like red uh, red means anger red means blood red means so many things love but also uh, some say it's a warning color by nature yeah but people fly norwegian when virgin and they drink coca-cola from a red can uh, that means it, people don't give a shit about the color when they <laughs> buy a product in that sense uh, and yeah. in that sense that's an easy exercise to do as a designer to just like do i try to explain colors in a way that doesn't make any sense and that's like stop that because what you do is you open the door to bullshit and the clients will then be able to use the same door as you just did uh, so just the only logic is basically this color is not used by any of your competitors and we think it's a pretty color that's fine that's good if they want to change it to another color yeah there's millions of different nice other colors we could choose but don't come don't use values when it comes to, to colors because it's just made up and I mean, exactly. And so, I mean, like you said, this emptiness with the logo uh, or like there's still empty. It's like the first thing that people want to do if they see it, if it's like a new new logo is to 
you know, find some type of meaning for it, you know? So the first thing we go, we do is go into our brains and like look for references, right? So it's like, oh, where do I recognize this from? Where it's like, that's just how, 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 how we, how we do it as humans. And, and meaning that if something, if it's something new we haven't seen before, we're quickly going to find something that looks similar and then say that almost. So it's like, it's so common when we, like the thing when you design a new logo or something that, that you will always get the reaction that, oh, it sort of looks like this. You know, it sort of looks like this other brand or this, because that's just like the first, that's how the brain works. And I mean, but then you need to ask yourself, does that matter? Even, uh, you know, because of course you need some time then to fill this logo with the right values and so on, the 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 the, the branding of it. But like, I mean, we, if we done, we, I remember sometimes we did some like round symbol for, for um, like an environment thing for like a municipality in, in, in Sweden, like a, a project around like uh, walking and, and biking instead of taking a, you know, uh, going with cars and so on. And, and, and they were like, just because it was round, somehow we got the, the feedback that it looked like, double uh, bmw and we were like okay but but like if someone is going to get this like material sent to them uh, in the mail and pick this up and it's about like hey you should like go think about the environment will they be like oh my god why does why does bmw send me this well and i mean it's never gonna like and i mean it didn't look like it at all anyway but it's like it's so like often not um you know a problem to like it, it's like in the context it will be used it will people won't make that like assumption or, yeah. or or make those mistakes for sure yeah yeah i'm glad that you said that because i've had clients that have said this looks similar to whatever and you are right that it's all down to context and and yeah. in the situation that it's going to be used like like what you said then about bmw it's it's i i don't know how similar it was but like you said just because it's round it's not going to ever be used on a car or yeah. in any scenario related to cars so it just doesn't make any sense so um i mean in in that situation did you just literally tell them I think that's what we told them we, yeah. called, well, we, got call, we got a call from the brand person of this city city municipality uh, and and he was like yeah this uh the, the the logo is blue and round so it looks like bmw uh and then we were like uh, okay uh, it doesn't look like bmw but if it did look like bmw what is the problem yeah he was yeah. like well it's a problem of course and it's like but do you think that if someone gets a mail from the municipality, from your city with your logo on it, that says go walk and take the, use the public transportation, do you think that anyone is going to actually think it's BMW? And he was like, uh, no. And then it's like, so we don't have a problem. And then he was like, oh, that's right. Nice. Uh, so, and, and so we just needed to explain. I think he just needed to hear it, the explanation behind it. But people are not, of course educated and everything so it's of course natural that people ask and and it's fine i mean they can, it can be oh this looks like an elephant <laughs> yeah it, it can it can look like an elephant <laughs> any cloud on the sky will also look like an elephant if you wanted to or 
uh, this logo, like when we did a, a, a logotype with an age, it was just oh, yeah. an age. History uh, channel. Someone was like, yeah, it looks like history channel. I had also asked my, my grandparents about this. Uh-huh, that's great. But do you think that anyone who is going to the Home Crafting Association meeting in a little town in Sweden will accidentally end up in London and walk into History Channel's office and be like, oh, I thought this was the Home Crafting. So then we're like, no. It's like, okay, so we don't have a problem. And secondly, it doesn't look like that, but that's fine, even if it did. <laughs> it's almost that point. It actually yeah. does not look like it either. But oh. but but it, yeah, but it's like I said, but it, it's like like we said, we can also be like, this is very a very human thing to do, like to have that reaction on it. So I, I think we, that's why we we uh, shouldn't get too upset about it more and be like, it's fine. That's how it works. And, and then like, you know, try to um, help people make a better decision. You know, yeah. that's a part of our job <laughs> too, you know, <laughs> to, to convince and, and, and educate a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wouldn't mind going back to um earlier on with the process you mentioned about uh basically uh working out who the business is so creating a person and going into the three different things um how exactly are you going about doing that is it just a case of sitting down with a client and going through questions that you have prepared or is there some other way that you're doing that and um also sorry it's it's turning into a long question how are you then presenting that back to the client so uh, no no worries at all i love long questions um we we always start every project we do no matter what it is with a, a workshop with key key people and with key people we mean decision makers uh, and if it's not the highest people in the company we need the person people in this workshop to have the mandate to actually take decisions about the brand um, and once we have that we go through loads of different steps in a branding workshop where we yeah we talk and discuss and we basically point out a direction for the brand and we also divide it so we write up product values uh, or service values uh, so like efficient uh, uh, always works blah 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 uh, and those things are like, okay, if you don't hit these values, you're fucked. But it, and nothing we can do about it. Your service or product have to be great. And that, that's like yeah. on, on, the, on the client. Secondly, we write down company values. And that's internal. And there are companies that have great brands that are really shitty internal. Uh, but no one really knows about it outside or care about it. Mm-hmm. So the company culture also is like, fine, you do that. That's good for you guys to have that in place. Thirdly, we come to the brand values and that's the external, all the external parts. What you, the story you tell to people and customers, to the values you want them to perceive you as. And that can be different from the company or product values. And I think that's important because the client all is always stuck on product or service. So they think we do vacuum cleaners. That means everything has to feel like vacuum cleaners or clean homes, etc. But it's just made up. Apple is the best example. We just... Uh, made an, and their their what how does if you take Simon Sinek's model it's just like it just happens to be computers that we're doing because their their why and their how is so much bigger. I think that's like the first step, and then after we have that, we send them a summary of the workshop where we also push them and their position to be like you should be more like this and this and this. 
and then we we basically start writing the brand platform and their their voice brand voice uh, and that's like a long process of course uh, and we we rather work with the client uh, than for so we have loads of meetings where we present and and talk with them uh, during this process but yeah that's basically how we how we yeah. do this that sounds really good very um uh detailed and it's good to hear that you you know you you gather you basically gather together all that information put together some document present that back to them and then proceed with the you know all the graphic design work yeah and and i think something to put emphasis on is that we push them a lot in this workshop so even if they like oh we we want to be like this we don't want to be too playful uh we don't want to be too conventional we don't want to be too provocative we don't want to be too innovative then we normally like okay so then this is basically the what you should be on on these scales and then we paint up uh how about this uh your competitor uh, a young group of people get bought up and invested by another company and they create a brand that is full-on playful very bold and innovative and provoking for example are you then happy to be in the position you just took and they're always like no so no <laughs> Because now is the time when you should take the position because in five years' time, there will be competitors and younger ones that saw a hole in the market. And they were like, oh, we can take this position. And then most of the times they're like, okay, we should actually risk a little bit more here and be a little bit more clear in our brand and a bit, a bit more brave. And I think that's, that's very in, important for us when we push them. I really like that. So it's not just a case of just understanding who they are. You're really encouraging them to, um, I guess, really dif differentiate and not be boring. <laughs> yeah, it's like pointing out the direction for for the brand and make yeah. sure that it's visionary uh, the, so that it's not just like, yeah, very low. It's like someone coming in at Leicester 10 years ago and pointing out that we should win the Premier League people are like no no that's too bold we should just maybe make it to premier league and say no someone pointed out that direction and said like we're actually going to win the whole league and no one believed them and i think that's the same that anecdote can be taken in everything you have to push a vision in order for it to come true and in the workshop we point out the direction to where the brand should be, go and become and then it have to be visionary mm. I love that. So we're about 46 minutes into this now. We we have um, maybe about 10 minutes left. So mm -hmm. I want to talk about the Snask uh, Manifesto. I saw that something on your website. It's a little bit like Ten Commandments. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, again, it's not something I've seen an agency do before. I read through it and I thought, I, I like this. <laughs> um is it's more like a set of beliefs that you guys follow, your team follow, and, and so on. Can we talk about this? Um, there's a few that I wrote down. Um, there are, how many are there? Is it 10? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like 10 commandments. One of them is always achieve greatness yourself before pointing out the faults and mistakes of others. I really love that. Another one is uh, talk with clients like you talk with your family, friends, and pets. And that's something that you've already mentioned. So why why did you do this manifesto? And, and do you feel it's impacted the company in, in any way? Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean, I would say it's a little bit what we just spoke about with 
about Apple and so on. Like, it's not about what we do, it's about why we do it. Yeah. And, and I think we, uh, like, that is so true with us as well. Like, we, we could have built computers instead, you know, <laughs> then we would have done it in this way. Anyway, I think that's how we met and how we sort of, um, unite as people as well like when we when we started like you know building snask it was really with like we had the same sort of vision of, of what what how to do that and 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 like why why we were doing it and and i think um uh, that is like making a manifesto is like a part of like defining that somehow you know mm. it's helping us uh you know, both, uh, it's funny because like, it's such a long time ago, actually, we, we have updated a little bit, like, um, at some point, uh, through the years, I don't remember exactly what it was, but, but we did some, some, some point needed to mm -hmm. be a little bit like, mm -hmm. uh, more in the now than, than 10 years ago or something, but, but like, it gives us, um, something that, that we can feel like, oh, this is us, but especially I'm, I'm, I'm almost surprised how many people, uh, see this and really like react to it and we often mm -hmm. get people oh i saw your manifesto you know and and it, so it's really like something too that I, I think a lot more people and companies could do to sort of uh yeah to 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 make it a little bit more like um communicate to the world what they stand for mm -hmm. you know yeah exactly and i think that from the beginning it was like we had 50 or 100 different oh, yeah. ones that we, we just wrote down everything that we thought didn't make sense. And then we, we just made it into 10 in the end, the top 10. And I mean, one thing that many of these speak to, like like talking how you talk with clients or, or seeing people as people, for example, is it's a lot about like, it's just that the, the fact that B2B is even relevant is just um, uh, uh, means that it's so much bullshit, <laughs> yeah. so much wrong yeah. in the world, the way yeah. of seeing communication, because it's the, it's a wrong misconception that if a person sits in a suit in an office, he or she will react different to a brand. Uh, and then, then when he or she is at home in a sofa watching television, mm -hmm. which doesn't make any sense. I mean, the person at the office would then book a travel with Airbnb, for example, a hotel room. And then he or she would be disgusted. This is a B2C brand. It doesn't suit me at all in this environment. <laughs> and then when he or she came home, they would be like, oh, Airbnb looks very nice now when I'm in my sofa. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. It never worked like that. It's just made up. And people, it's all about one human being is sending a message that is going to be received by another human being. And it's just some, a lot of bullshit trying to <laughs> make up that that person would change just because if he or she sits in, in, in an office or not, then something else is, yeah. is wrong. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad that you said that. I, I, I love the, the honesty and, and, you know just the the transparency and uh it, it feels weird to say it but it's it <laughs> i don't know why it's not like this why more people aren't like this you know just being very frank and and blunt and and honest and doing things the way that you know a human being would do it it just it's it's nice and and it really comes across <laughs> people are scared 
<laughs> that's like everyone's so scared all the time too it's this playing grown-ups thing that we talked a bit about like everyone uh you know someone set up uh, yeah an old white man set set up some rules for how how this should be done and they are like doing everything they can to like keep mm-hmm. that like domination over people and everyone's sort of like yeah just trying to fit in in that in that world and basically like yeah playing is like a playground when everyone's like oh now i have to be like this and yeah <laughs> that's why people don't do it people are so scared of like what will happen if i say something differently but the funny thing is that when people do that's when they often get attention right and actually like most of the people that are like that we love in the world or are successful or you know they often like are a bit of rebels they dare to do something differently and that's why they stand out so it's like so funny that like that we still like find that hard even though we can like see that it's like a recipe for success <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i know um i know sometimes people are scared to share certain things with clients like i uh prior to this interview i mentioned to um uh both freddie and eric that i'm having a little bit of a tough time and you know i was thinking i'm not, I'm not sure if i should tell them that or um i'm not sure if i should mention that to clients but i have mentioned it to clients and they've been so supportive I could have yeah. come up with some excuse saying, oh, I'm really busy at the moment. Um, I've had to push this back, blah, blah, blah. But just being transparent and honest about where I am with things, they have been very supportive, very understanding. And if anything, actually, it's helped. Like it's improved the uh, bond with my clients. And, uh, you know, there's that real great uh, sense of trust. And, um yeah, I really do. I, I personally believe in honesty. Um, I think that's something that's really important. And you guys really do that through everything that you do. And um, I don't know if there will be people out there that will think negatively of that, but I've never met someone um, that has or or has disliked, you know, real transparency and, and honesty, and, unless it's unless it's something that is physically negative that could cause some uh, damage in some way. But in, in most cases, you know, things like being in a band and wanting to bring that in, he wouldn't like that. <laughs> he wouldn't <laughs> like that. It's, uh, it, it, it's nice to see. You know, what's funny with, with that is like during the first years, especially, um, we uh, when we had this type of like openness and we were talking more about things like this with with clients as well and we yeah. also had our own like beliefs and things like that we barely i don't think yeah we had one single male client like all our clients were females and we could like have this type of discussion with them and we felt like we leveled in a good way while when we acted like that in meetings with these like sort of CEOs, manly CEOs, they, they got so uncomfortable and they started to ask us about like, what's your turnover then? Or, you know, like uh, <laughs> it was immediately like trying to shift focus and also again, like dominating the situation, being more like, oh, but who do you think you are? And, and that was really, uh, I mean, it's changing a little bit for sure, uh, luckily. I think it's, I mean, even if it's more maybe polarized today, it's still like hopefully a, a more positive development. But like, um, yeah, that that's like, it's 
yeah, it was very clear that that was a difference in, yeah, in yeah. the first years. Yeah, for sure. And thank you, thank you for sharing that, Ian. And I, I love that yeah. you say that. And I think that that's so true. And I think that our like being able to be vulnerable is is, is strong. It's like it's not yeah. a weakness. It's just strength and brave. And it's something that improves any relationship, a client yeah, relationship, exactly. or a friend relationship, or anything. And I think that the world is getting tired of the machoism and, and like the negative things that comes with that. And I think that, yeah, we're moving away from that slowly, the whole world and realizing that empathy is something and vulnerability is, is something mm -hmm. that actually is strong and empowers us rather than the opposite. Yeah, exactly. And, and the more that it's uh, mentioned openly, it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we exactly. Perfect. The world needs to hear yeah i think that's a really good point to end the interview we're nearly at an hour um this has been amazing i think there's been so many like nuggets of inspiration um but i think in general just 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 the way that you guys approach everything with um truthfulness and and being yourself and pulling your own interests into your company and building a brand in in a very organic way I think that's really inspiring. So I hope that, you know, people listening, which will be mostly graphic designers, will uh, will have got something from this. So thank you so much to you both. Um, it, I've, I've really enjoyed this. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much, Ian, yeah. for having us and all the, the great questions uh, that you have. No, yeah, it was super well. interesting. And, and um, yeah, really, thank you. Thank you for being so open. Yeah. Thank you so much to both Freddie and Eric. I really enjoyed this interview. Um, if you'd like to go and check out the work from Snask, head to their website, snask.com, and that's S-N-A-S-K. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes for this episode, along with their social profiles and a transcription of this interview. Uh, so to find that, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash 114. On next week's show, I'm actually going to be joined by a friend of mine, Blesson, who I believe is the first Indian-based designer who's joined me on the podcast. Uh, so he'll be a great role model for anyone in that part of the world. But I find him really inspiring, so I hope you'll uh, really enjoy his story. Uh, but until then, make sure to go and check out the sponsor of this episode, The Perfect Match, and start working on your moonboard design. To go and check that out, head to theperfectmatch.co forward slash logo geek so that's it for today but i'll see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the logo geek podcast